Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Father, for uh, a weekend, Lord, a holiday weekend that so many families try to get together and, and spend time and get away and do other things. And so, Father, I pray protection over every one of our, our people here in our church that, that are out and about visiting family and different things or those who are going, those who are coming. Father, I just pray blessings upon them. I pray your divine protection over them, Father, in Jesus' name. Pray that you would be with us, that your spirit will be with us right now that you would anoint me as your servant, Lord, and, and let me be able to speak the word you put in my heart. And I ask you to feed your people this morning, Lord, and be with us. Be evident in this service today. I pray, Lord Jesus, for this memorial service, Lord, and for the, for the graduation and honoring the graduates. I thank you, Lord, for the accomplishments that, they, that you've allowed them to make and helped them with their studies. And Father, I pray that as they now move into a new season of life, that you will lead and guide them wherever that direction is that you have so they can fulfill their ministry and follow you all the days of their life and love you and love your word. And I pray blessings on them in Jesus' name. And we lift this all up to you and ask that you would receive all the praise, all the glory, and that you will meet with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome. Thank y'all. Um, for being here and, and uh, praise God. We've, we're going to go into a little bit different message this morning. I um, want to pick back up with some of the names of God and finish that up next week. But this morning I wanted to take an opportunity and I was praying about what to do this weekend and it is Memorial Day weekend and I know that a lot of people are traveling in different things. But I want to focus on memorials this morning a little bit. <clears throat> And I want to talk about how this being Memorial Day weekend, when we remember those who've sacrificed all for us, those who've sacrificed to protect and defend or serve us throughout our nation's history, times that we take aside this day and this weekend to honor those who have died serving our country, it generates in us a sentiment by remembering their sacrifices and the battles that those sacrifices represent. And what it does is it results in a sense of patriotism and a love of country in us. The tombstones in Arlington National Cemetery, for instance, are memorial stones. They shine to us of love of country from past generations. It reminds us of examples of those for whom they represent. The stones, the, the stones stand as examples for those who they represent. So today I want to look at another set of memorial stones that should generate some sentiment in us. These stones are from Scripture, and they shine of the love of God from a past generation and should remind us of their example to shape future generations. So first I want to just cover a brief moment about what are memorial stones in Scripture. The word memorial comes from the Hebrew word zikron, and it means to mark so as to be recognized. It speaks of a reminder or a memento. I love this one. It says it's a memorial that by which the memory of any person or thing is preserved. So I want us to go to a place where we see some memorial stones, and I want to talk about those and see some things from Scripture about these. And we're going to read in Joshua chapter 4. 
And I'm going to try to read a good bit of scripture this morning and tie all of this together. But we're going to read Joshua chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer that the, them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So the priest who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priest crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, that the, and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jer Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, Why are the, What are these stones? Then you shall let the children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
All right, here in Joshua chapter 4, we read about some stones that are set up. And let's just talk about for a minute. The children of Israel here, have they are at the end of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And they've come to the same spot that they did 40 years ago. And they have the same commandment to cross over into the promised land. Moses has died, and now Joshua is the new leader appointed by God. So they're given instructions. Joshua is told exactly how they are to cross over. Now, this is the generation of faith that's, that's believing God's word and going into the land. Not like the generation prior to them that disbelieved God and got turned back into the wilderness. And the instructions Joshua is given is that the priests are to bear the ark and enter the Jordan. When they did that, the waters stood up as a heap and they separated. And Israel crossed over again on dry land, this time into the promised land. The last time was through the Red Sea into the wilderness. Twelve men of Israel got twelve large stones. They were told to put them on their shoulders. That indicates to me that they were large stones. And they took them from the, river, the Jordan River riverbed. They took them to their lodging place there at Gilgal to set them up. Joshua returned to the Jordan River and got, and got 12 other stones and set those up in the Jordan River. Remember now, the Jordan is still separated. The waters are still standing up as a heap. So he goes down in the same place that they crossed, the place where the priest's feet stood, and he gathers 12 stones from inside the Jordan Riverbed and sets them up in the middle of the Jordan. Okay? And in the exact place where the priest's feet stood is where he sets them up. And then he walks back. The priests and all of those that have crossed over walk back. They get over into the promised land, and the waters come back down and start flowing again. And so those stones are there, but they, they're buried there. They're set up as a memorial. They're inside the Jordan River. All right? So here in this, in this chapter, we see two different sets of memorial stones. One set is to be set up inside the promised land. And this one is to be a reminder to future generations that would see that as a memorial. For instance, in Washington, D.C., there stands a Washington Monument. And it is a monument that we see and we remember who? George Washington. If you go to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., it is set up to remind us of President Lincoln. So it's the same kind of idea here. Joshua is told you set up these memorial stones so that future generations will be reminded of what I did for you here at the Jordan River. And you can tell them the story. It is designed to answer the question that children would raise later on about what are these stones all about? Why do we have them? So it recalls to them the miracle of God to bring them into the promised land, in, and it brings that back to their memory. So the point there is that they would retell the story to future generations so that they will then know the mighty hand of God that has done this for his people, and they would not forget. The second set of stones were set up inside the Jordan River. These also are to be a memorial 
But these stones are covered over by the Jordan River. So these stones become a memorial to future generations at a later specific time. So if that's the case, what was the purpose of Joshua setting up those 12 stones inside the Jordan River where they were covered by the river? Do they come back up another time in Scripture? I believe they do. If you will now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to read the first several verses here in Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here in Matthew chapter 3, we see John the Baptist preaching repentance and baptizing in the Jordan River. And now that the Jews are back in the land, much of the history of the Jews and the archaeology of the Jews has come to light. And it is believed now you can go and you can be baptized in the spot that they believe John was baptizing. And it appears that he was baptizing in the same spot where Israel had crossed over into the promised land. So when John refers to these stones, he's, I don't believe he's talking about just any stones. He's referring to the stones that Joshua set up in the Jordan River when they crossed over into the promised land. It's not just any stones. It's the 12 stones that Joshua set up there in Joshua chapter 4. And by referring to these, he's directing his audience back to remember what God did for them. He's taking them back in their history to Israel's crossing into the promised land. The significance of these stones in the Jordan River reminded the ancestors not to rebel and doubt the promise when tested at the, at the Jordan River like their ancestors before them had done. Remember, they had come to the spot, and they sent in the spies, and they, they checked out the land, and the spies came back, ten of them, and gave a bad report. 
And so all Israel was afraid and doubted God and turned back. God turned them back 40 years into the wilderness. And so now they come back a generation later, and they have the same test. They have the same opportunity to go in and take the land. And this generation is of faith. This generation is believing the promise. This generation decides to act in faith and take the land. And as a reminder of that, Joshua put 12 stones inside the Jordan River. And so then, centuries later, we have a man named John the Baptist coming into the Jordan, baptizing at that spot. And here come Pharisees and Sadducees, the the very religious crowd. They might have been religious, but they didn't have faith. They didn't have the faith in God to believe in God. And uh, And John the Baptist is challenging them. And here he's taking them back to remind them about their ancestors who did trust God, who did obey, who did receive the promise because they obeyed and acted in faith. So John's warning here is to the Jews standing there with him. If you rebel and refuse to repent at God's call to you now, God will raise up from these stones others who will obey him, others who will trust, at, trust in him. Luke 3 also records this event and gives us some more details about it. And some of the crowd, according to Luke chapter 3, did respond, and they did repent, and they did come and be baptized, although many of the Pharisees and religious leaders still may not have done that and apparently did not do that. Lastly, notice that this is the spot that Jesus also comes to and is baptized by John. He certainly represents one who is obedient to his Father's will. He represents one. He shines as the example of a generation of faith. He shines as the example of the one crossing into what God commanded and promised him. He is at a crossroads. His his childhood, his first 30 years are over, and it is now time for him to move into his new season, his promised land, his time of ministry. And so he's at this same spot, and he represents one who is obedient and who moves forward. So the stones that Joshua placed in the Jordan were left as a memorial and a testimony for a future generation that would come over a thousand years later. One man, John, who would remember what they represented and then use this as a memorial to the faithful and obedient generation to speak to his generation as an example and as a rebuke against those who would not obey the Lord. Through Jesus, God has done exactly what John the Baptist said, and he has raised up stones, raised up people who are true seeds of Abraham. Who are these people? In Galatians chapter 3, I want to read a few verses from here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. It says in Galatians 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish 
Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now remember, John had told them God is able to raise up from these stones children unto Abraham. Those stones represented the faithful generation, the generation that would not doubt, the generation that actually moved based upon the promise of God and went in and took the land. So here, Paul is telling us, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So the sons of Abraham that God raised up through Jesus Christ are those of faith. Those who believe and then act in faith, just like the children of Israel did who were believers in Joshua's generation, and they acted upon it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God did raise up from those stones a generation of believers who are now living stones, offering acceptable sacrifices to God through obedience, through trust, through faith. Jesus, baptized in that very same spot where Joshua had placed those stones over 1,400 years earlier, he has proved that he is the mighty God with that mighty hand Worthy to be feared. That's exactly what those stones were to represent, we're told in, the, in Joshua 4. And he has raised up living stones. And that's you and I. That's every child of God by faith. He's raised us up. So this Memorial Day weekend, let's remember our great God, our faithful God, the God who has delivered us, the God who has brought us into his promised land. The God who has saved us. God's been kind of taking me on a journey about memorials and about memorial altars and memorial stones and, and all of that. So this is a little tidbit of that. But as the Lord's been doing that, I've, I've begun to see the importance of remembering what God has done. Remembering, marking what he's already done. We were told over and over in the Old Testament, God would say, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. And every time he had, there was a memorial altar or memorial stones set up, it was for the purpose of remembering the Lord. It was for the purpose of remembering something special about God that he had done in the past. And the reason for that is it gives us faith. It, it builds our faith for what he will do in the future. That he's still going to do it again. He didn't leave us back there. He's not going to leave us now. He didn't forget about us there. He's not going to forget about us now. Wherever we're at, we can remember what he's already done 
and he will do it again. He promises in his word to be faithful to us. He said, I will lead you even unto death, he says. And then in another place, he talks about, I'll receive you in glory after that. So he's never going to leave us. He's never going to disappoint us. He's never going to fail us. And memorials give us that opportunity to remember what God has done. And I remember when, when this was coming to me earlier this week, I just I sat there and I cried as I began to think back of some of the specific things that God has done for me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask y'all to do this. I mean, this is certainly not, you don't have homework like you do in school. But I would like to ask you to take a few moments this weekend and list for yourself in your quiet time somewhere at home, a, like a memorial stone, all that you can think of to remind yourself of what God has done in your past. Get specific Write those things down somewhere. I'll give you an example, just a few of mine. I'll never forget, I was 15 years old. Of course, every 15-year-old can't wait to drive. (laughs) So that was my highlight. I got my restricted license, and boy, I went all over the place. And I had, you know, Mom and Daddy bought me a little cheap old car. You know, it wasn't anything special, but it was special to me because it was my first opportunity of freedom. It was like, yay! And so... I drove all around, drove my friends all around, and I had a big old time, all this stuff. Well, let me tell you what God did, what God did in watching over me. I was 15 when I got this, and I I was probably 15 or 16. I hadn't had it long. I hadn't been driving too long. And I had my first flat tire. And, of course, I'm a young girl. I know nothing about tires. I know nothing about taking care of a car. I can put gas in them, and that's about it. To this day, that's about it. So, so anyway, you know, I was kind of stranded. Now, this, this was way before there was anything called cell phones. We didn't have none of that then, you know. This has been a long time ago. I'm not as young as I used to be. And so I was stranded by the road. Let me tell you where I was. I was one half a mile from my house. I could have been stranded at any time of the day or night, anywhere, And I was one half of a mile from my house. So I walked home. It was in the daytime. Daddy was able to go back and take care of it. And let me tell you what else he found. When he went to change the tire, the tire that was in the trunk did not fit the rim of my car. So I would have been in big trouble if I had been somewhere else. Now, as I thought back, I remembered that. And I praised God, and, I, and it, it made me feel so special to know that when I was a stupid, young, foolish, 15-year-old girl who didn't know any better, God was watching over me. God took care of me. He kept me safe all the places I had driven all around. And when I needed help, he, he allowed me to break down a half mile from my house so that I could safely and quickly get help. And with, from a trusted source, and I wasn't endangered. Praise God for that. That's one specific memorial stone in my life. I can remember my first surgery. I'd never been put under the knife before, and I was scared. You know, you're always kind of scared at first because you're scared that fear of waking up. And I remember that, you know, I was afraid of that and all of that, and I was praying about it. And 
and I'll never forget this. The Lord just gave me an image. I don't usually see a lot of visions, okay? I don't consider myself um, to have a, a normalcy of doing that. But the Lord gave me an image in my mind, and I saw, I literally saw in my mind a metal operating table sitting in the middle of an operating room, and I saw his arms just wrapped all around it. And he gave me that passage from Deuteronomy 33 where it talks about underneath are the everlasting arms. And I never worried about it after that. That gave me the peace I needed to get through that. And God took care of me. He came through for me. That's a memorial stone for me. I've told y'all several times before, I think, about my tornado story. When we were in Cleveland, Tennessee, and all the tornadoes were coming by, and all of that, and we were up, and, and you know, up all night in the lobby of the hotel, and, and, you know, we were watching the tornadoes, and literally, this is not a joke, we were there, this happened. They split in two when they were headed our way, and went around us, and went on either side. That's a memorial stone for me. God saw me. God saw us, his people, and he broke those tornadoes in half and sent them around us. God protected us. That's a memorial stone. One of the greatest things I believe about heaven is going to be this. We will find out then all the times that we didn't know God did something for us. All the times we didn't realize he delayed us five minutes because we would have been in a horrible wreck if we had been five minutes sooner. How many times he watched over us? How many times he healed us when we didn't even know we needed to be healed? That's one of the greatest things I believe that will come to us in heaven is when our eyes are opened to see those things and how God has been so faithful and so good to us. We see some of them, and we need to remember those things and let it build our faith. So I encourage you, take a few minutes and mark down. Go back in your mind. Let God take you back to those times when your heart was broken and you felt like dying and yet God came through for you with a word from Scripture or something. Go back and remember the Lord your God. Remember what he has done for you. Remember that's what memorial stones and memorial altars are all about in Scripture. Remember what he has done and continue to believe him. If he didn't fail you then, he will not fail you now. If he didn't forget about you then, he will not forget about you now. If he watched over you then, he'll watch over you now. If he delivered you then, he'll deliver you now. So take this to heart. I encourage you, sometime today or tomorrow, sit down and make a list. Get specific with God. Let him take you back to when you were a teenager and he delivered you from something. Or when you were in danger and he delivered you and watched over you. Or whatever it may be. Whatever the situations may be. And let him show you and let him build up your faith as you remember what he has done in the past. And it help you to, rem to be reminded that he is the same God now that he was then. He's the same God who sees me today right where I am that he was when he saw me when I was 15 years old, stupid and foolish and out all over the place. And he protected me. He's the same God to you now that he was throughout all of those things he's brought you through in life. May that encourage 
your heart. John's point is to remember those stones that Joshua set up. Remember and obey. Follow their example to obey the Lord and to trust him for what he has ahead of us. Sometimes it's fear of the unknown that keeps us the worst, that we fight the worst. Because we, sometimes we fear moving into our new season. We fear moving into places where we've never been before. But we know that we have a God who is with us. That's what Joshua was doing. He was reminding them, you've moved forward in faith because whatever God has ahead of you is better than what you had in the past. And he's bringing us in. He's bringing us into new seasons with him. He's bringing us into new dimensions with him. Let him take us forward. And let us not shrink back, doubting and in disbelief. But let us believe the Lord and move forward for what he has for us ahead by remembering what he's done in the past. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, God, that you will help us this weekend as we remember veterans and and people who've served in our armed forces that have given all for our nation. God, as we remember other things, as we remember and are mindful of our family members and past generations, perhaps, those who have served our country or, or those who have served us, have given us a foundation in Christ, whatever it may be. I pray also, Lord, that you would help your people this weekend to remember and get specific with you about the things you have done. Help us to not forget you, Lord, but to be reminded of what you've done in the past and the faithfulness of God that you will continue and you will carry us all the way through in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Enjoy your weekend.